If you please turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. If you're using the Pew Bible here, it's on page 1032, Revelation 7, 9 through 17. And this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture because this is one of the few Scriptures that were given that show us what heaven's like, give us a glimpse of heaven where we see saints, saints like Kathy who are now in glory. And I know for the Strickland family, for for Ben and Savannah and and Sarah and Addie, as well as Kathy's parents and family, this, this last year has been the most difficult year of your lives. And while the initial shock and the intense pain of, the, of our sudden death is, is softened some, there's still that ever-present ache. There's that rawness, as, as someone mentioned, you miss her every day. There's that void caused by her absence in the, in the family events where she should be a part. And you each know that the, the, the simplest sight or sound or smell can trigger a sweet memory of Kathy. And then for a moment you just forget that she's gone. And, and then along comes that wave of sorrow, knowing that at least for the time being there's this barrier, there's this impenetrable barrier separating those who are now in glory from those of us who are, who are left behind in the flesh. And while this last year has been full of sorrow for those left behind, for Kathy, for Kathy this last year has been unspeakably amazing. And this experience grows ever sweeter, ever more amazing, every moment that she, she basks in the glory of her Savior, now and for all eternity. So here now this description, this description of our final heavenly home, this current reality for Kathy Strickland and, and uh, the promised reality for all of those, all of us who are united to Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. Here now the word of the Lord. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. What an amazing vision. What an amazing reality that our dear sister Kathy is experiencing at this very moment. And all those, all those departed saints, all those loved ones that we so much miss 
They are now in glory. They are worshiping the Lamb. They are before your throne. Heavenly Father, I pray for this few moments, Lord, that your spirit will be upon us. Lord, that you will give us your comfort, that you will give us your peace. But most of all, Father, you will give us a vision of this reality. Help me. Give me your spirit to be able to adequately communicate the amazingness of this scripture. The amazingness. And even this scripture doesn't do it justice. The, the unimaginable reality that awaits all of those who are in Christ. That this fallen world, this light momentary difficulty that we are going through is not worthy to compare what we will experience in glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is so much in this short passage. And when I preached through the book of Revelation a few years ago, you may remember I actually spent three full sermons, three 30 to 40 minute sermons on this one passage. So don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to squish it all together and preach here for about two hours now. I'm not going to attempt to, to, to exhaust this text. Today what I want to do is simply get a flavor. Get a flavor of this heavenly reality. This heavenly reality that Kathy now experiences. And my goal is to provide comfort to those who are mourning. Mourning a departed loved one. But also I want to encourage. I want to encourage those in Christ as we struggle in this fallen world. Struggle with bodies that are not as strong as they once were. With minds that are not as sharp as they once were. With the the overall wear and tear on our souls that comes from living in this fallen world. My friends, this world is not our home. This world is not all there is. This world's not a true home. This world is simply, as C.S. Lewis says, a shadow lands. It's not ultimate reality. It's not true life. True life is eternal life, and that's found only in Jesus Christ. And for the Christian, for the Christian, there is so much more, so much more than what we see before us here. And Kathy and, and other departed saints, they are experiencing true life at this very moment. They're enjoying this reality right now as we speak. And this glory reality is the certain future for all, all who are united to Christ. So let's just make a few observations from this text. First thing we notice in, in verse 9, that John, the, the author of Revelation, he sees this great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. So basically those in glory, Kathy, they are not lonely. Heaven is filled. Heaven is filled with a, a great multitude that no one can count. There is great diversity. People are not the same. They don't look the same. They don't come from the same tribe or the same language, the same people group. There is this beautiful diversity, and it's celebrated. It's enjoyed by all the saints in heaven. And this diversity, it's not chaotic. It's not individualistic. It's it's not self-seeking. This diversity doesn't lead to, to abrasiveness, doesn't lead to conflict, as we sadly see far too often in this world, from the diversity in this world. And the reason for this, the reason why this diversity leads to joyous celebration and not sinful conflict is because in the midst of this great diversity is a fundamental unity. There's a fundamental unity, and it's a unity in Christ. Verse 9 says that this great diverse crowd were all standing before the throne. That's the throne of God. And standing before the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this unity is in Christ. And this is the only reason, the only reason why they are even in heaven. Continuing in verse 9, 
It says they're clothed in white robes. These white robes represent the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that covers their sin. Verse 14 says that these robes were made white because they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Christ's blood shed on the cross as a payment for each of their individual sins is the only reason, only reason why anyone can be in heaven. The only reason why Kathy is in heaven, the only reason that we have any hope that we will be in heaven is because of Christ and his blood. And if someone were to ask you, you know, what is the hope? What is the hope you have of going in heaven when you die? There's only one answer. Only one answer we can give. It's not because I was a good person, because I wasn't a good person. Not one of us is a good person, at least according to God's standard, and that's perfection. It's not because I, I walked down an aisle, or I said a prayer, or I was baptized, or I joined a church, or I say I'm a Christian. None of that matters. These are all good things. These are things that, as Christians, we should do. But this is not the reason why we will be in heaven. That is not the reason why Kathy is in heaven. The only reason, the only reason is Christ. Christ on the cross paid the penalty that our sin deserved. And his perfect sinlessness is credited to us. And when by faith we receive and rest upon Jesus Christ alone, we are transformed. We become a new creation in Christ. Figuratively, we are clothed in white robes, washed by the blood of the Lamb. And as Christians here on earth, we have been declared sinless in God's sight. But we all know, we all know that there is so much sin in us, but not so in glory. In glory, we will become what we've actually been declared. And when we take our last breath, all remaining sin will be removed from us. And we will be sinless like our Savior. And all those struggles and all those temptations that cause us such misery in this life will be forever removed from us. We will be finally and forever free from this sin which, which clings so tightly to us. And we will be finally free to be what God created us to be. The next observation, notice what they are doing in heaven. What Kathy is doing at this moment. They're worshiping. Worshiping the triune God. We see this in verses 10 through 12. We see this explicitly, we're told in, in verse 11, that they are worshiping God. In verse 10, we see the, the saints in glory crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And notice that this, worth, this worship is not solely limited to the redeemed saints. It also is the angels as well. And we see this in verse 11. Now, don't, don't be confused. We don't become angels when we're in glory. When we die, don't, it's not like the, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, like Clarence. He gets up there and he has to do some work to earn his wings. No. We will never, ever be angels. Angels are angels and humans are humans. We're a completely different race. But we will have fellowship with the angels. We will be there with the angels. We will be joining our voices with the angels and the archangels and all the heavenly choir. And we will praise God. And we will sing blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Notice in verse 15, it says that they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Day and night we will worship. Those in glory have no need to sleep like we do. They are continually in God's presence. God's presence continually, it's like charging batteries continually enjoying him, continually worshiping, continually serving him. And we don't know what this heavenly service, this, this heavenly work will look like. But we believe, I, I believe that each one of us in heaven will have productive work. 
useful, productive work. And this work will be uniquely fitted to us to match our our God-given strengths and our God-given giftings. And we will do for all eternity what God has created us to do. We will find perfect joy in the work because it is perfectly fashioned for us by God himself. It will not be burdensome. It will not be boring. We will be giving a task from the Lord himself, a task that only we can do, uniquely fitted for us. And each one of us will be the absolute best soul in all of heaven doing this task that the Lord has given to us. We will be the best because the Lord called us to do this. and something that only we can do. And our work will provide blessing. It will provide blessing and joy to all the other saints in glory. And in our work, we will glorify the Lord. It will be a form of worship. And it will be part of our worship. And we will be continually worshiping God, both in our praise and in our service. And I don't know the work that Kathy is doing at this time in service for her Savior. And I don't know what this heavenly work could even look like. Scripture doesn't give us that much detail. But I can guarantee you, heaven will not be boring. It will not, it, boredom will be impossible in God's continual presence. And Kathy now is in perfect peace and perfect joy and perfectly satisfied doing the thing that she was created to do for all eternity. And my friends, the same future awaits every one of us who is in Christ. And not only will we be free from the drudgery of work that's, that's so common in this fallen world, and not only will we be free from the corruption and temptation of sin that, that plague us while in the flesh, in glory we will be free of all the effects of the fall. We will be like Kathy is now. And we will have no physical limitations. No physical limitations that we suffer here in this fallen world. And we see this in verse 16, which says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. See, all the physical effects of the fall, hunger, thirst, pain, sickness, injury, the effects of aging, the aches and pains that we all suffer, the mental decline, all of these things are absent in glory. We will be physically and mentally perfect in glory. Man, I look forward to that. I look forward to that so much. And as I mentioned a year ago during her funeral service, it's impossible for us to completely comprehend the spectacular reality that Kathy now enjoys. She is more alive today than she has ever been. She is stronger, faster, smarter than she ever was. Her capacity for love and joy is nearly limitless. And she is free from all the earthly pains and infirmities and sorrows and sins that we all have to suffer with. And Kathy is at this very moment in loving fellowship with her Lord, in loving fellowship with all the saints who have passed before her. And her knowledge of of her Lord, her knowledge and love for him, her love for the saints, and her overwhelming joy and zeal for life, for, for true life, will continue to increase day after day after day as they have over this last year, and will continue for all eternity. My friends, it's the same destiny. The same destiny for every single one of us who is united to Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. We are his new creation. The last observation from this passage I think is the most exciting. And it's found the very last line, the very last verse, in verse 17. It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I think this is our greatest hope. And it's, it's not just a hope for, for the future. It's not just a, a hope for Kathy. It's a hope that can provide us comfort today. Comfort as we mourn. 
even after a year, as we, as we mourn all, the, all of our loved ones, it could be years that they have gone on before us, as we grieve and as we miss them every day. See, the world that we live in is a world of sorrow. And I have to tell you this, you, you've been living through it for the last, last year. Grieving the loss of a wife, the, the loss of a mother, the last, loss of a grandmother, the loss of a daughter, the loss of a friend. The loss of a kind, caring woman, as we, we heard testimony of time after time. And she's taken suddenly and taken way too young. It's, it's just not right. And it is appropriate for us to grieve. It's appropriate for us to remember her. It's appropriate for us to, to dedicate this garden that we're going to do in a few moments as we go outside. This garden to her memory. And even though we know for certain that Kathy is in glory, even though we know that at this very moment she is more alive now than she ever was, it's still appropriate for us to mourn. Jesus himself wept. He wept at the death of his, his friend Lazarus. Even though Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still wept. This pain is real. It is, is sharp. It is bitter. And yes, it softens some over the year, but it will always be there. It will always be a hole, especially for those closest to Kathy. But those in Christ, for those in Christ, this pain and sorrow are not eternal. This scripture tells us that when we are in glory, God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And when God wipes away the tears, not only does he wipe away the, the physical tear, not only does he wipe away the moisture, he wipes away the pain, he wipes away the sorrow and the hurt that caused that tear. We're completely renewed. In this world, there will always be a remnant. There will always be a scar. There will always be a memory of a hurt, even, even as time goes on, even as it fades with time. But on that day, and for Kathy, that day has already occurred, that hurt will totally and completely and permanently be eradicated from our souls. And just think about that. And as a pastor, I wish I could take the pain from you now. I can't. No one, I don't have the power, none of us have the power to take the pain now. But what I can tell you, what I can guarantee you, based not on my own opinion, but on the authority of the inerrant, infallible word of God, is that if you are in Christ, one day this pain will be completely and totally gone, as it is at this very moment for our dear sister Catherine. As I mentioned, my goal in this homily is to give comfort and to encouragement to the Strickland family and to the Northgate family and to all who are, who are living in this fallen, broken world of sorrow. And what I want to communicate is heaven is real. Heaven is glorious. Heaven is better than anything we can describe or even anything we can imagine in this fallen world. And Kathy has been enjoying this reality for the last year. But the worst thing I can do, the most evil thing I can do is to communicate that this reality that Kathy and all the saints are now experiencing this very moment, to communicate that this is the default for every single person when they take their last breath and leave this world. Scripture is clear. It is not. The same scripture that tells us about this glorious reality that Kathy now enjoys and that awaits all who belong to Christ also tells us that the path that leads to this reality is narrow. It's not broad, it's narrow. And it's so narrow, in fact, it is singular. There is only one path. There is only one way. Our gospel reading that Hal read for us this afternoon. This is the very passage that I preached on a year ago during Kathy's funeral service. And it gives us the words of Jesus himself. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the answer. 
Jesus and Jesus alone is the path to heaven. And the reality that Kathy now enjoys is only true for those who have Jesus. It is only offered for those who are united to him by faith. And if there are any here who do not have Jesus, any listening on the live stream who do not have Jesus, who are not born again, that could change today. Jesus becomes ours when we recognize that we are lost and that we are weak and that we are sinful and that we cannot save ourselves, that we need something. We need someone outside ourselves to save us. And in repentance, we turn away from ourselves and we turn to him. We turn to Jesus, not a made-up Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus, the sinless, eternal Son of God, fully God and fully man, born of the Virgin Mary. And we cry out to him. We cry out to him to save us. We trust in him. We trust that Christ alone has satisfied God's justice on our behalf. And we cling to this truth. We cling to Christ with all we have. And when we do this, we see that God changes us. He changes our desires. We no longer desire to live only for ourselves. We no longer desire to live for our idols. We live for Christ. And then, like he was for Kathy, like he is for Ben, like he is for many of us here today, Christ becomes the center of our lives. He becomes the most important thing, the most important person. We desire Christ above all else. And our greatest desire is to see Christ face to face. And if this is indeed our desire, God's word promises that God himself will satisfy that desire for us in glory. My friends, may this be true for every single one of us here this evening. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this encouragement that comes from your word. And Father, I do pray. I pray, Lord, that you will fill us with that peace, fill us with that hope, fill us with that confidence. As we come now to sing about Jordan's stormy banks, which is heaven, it is the amazing thing. We are bound. Each one of us who is in Christ is bound for the promised land. And we cannot comprehend how amazing that's going to be. We just know it's going to be good. And we know it's going to be better than anything we can imagine. And we look forward to, we long for that. We long for that day when you return and you set all things right. But until then, Lord, I pray that you will give us confidence. You will give us trust. You will give us peace. Lord, we pray for comfort for those who are mourning. And we pray, Lord, for the, for the courage to serve you with singleness of heart for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd please stand.